Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. joining us. I'm Bernie Wagenblast. Our guest this month is Lorraine Martin, President and CEO of the National Safety Council. We're going to be discussing the recently released 2020 traffic fatality numbers and what that means as we come to the other side of the pandemic. We'll also talk about the Road to Zero Coalition and efforts to reach zero deaths by 2050. Lorraine, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. Well, Bernie, it's great to be with you here today. I mentioned there in the opening that we're going to be talking about the uh, 2020 traffic fatality numbers. And not too long ago, NSC had released an estimate that the total motor vehicle traffic deaths for 2020 are up some 8% over the number of fatalities on roads in 2019. Now, this is even though people obviously were driving less during the pandemic. If you could help us understand this increase in fatalities, what may have been some of the contributing factors to that increase? Yeah, thank you, Bernie. It does sort of give us all a bit of pause, and we do need to understand this because our estimates right now show that roadway fatalities soared to over 42,000 lives lost in 2020. And to put that in context, that's the highest number of roadway deaths in 13 years, and we have been making such progress. And as you mentioned, that's an 8% increase year over year. And really to put that in sort of some really stark context, That's 115 lost loved ones every day on a typical day in 2020. So clearly something we have to pay attention to, something we need to ask ourselves, what do we do to turn this around? We do know that this is not only, you know, more deaths than in the past 13 years, but when we look at the actual death rate and a death rate in roadway uh, terminology is the number of deaths per 100 million vehicle miles. And despite the fact, as you just mentioned, that 13% less miles were driven during the pandemic, there was a 24% increase in the death rate year over year. And that's actually the highest increase of having our roads be more deadly than when the council started calculating this nearly a century ago. Wow. Uh, so clearly some really alarming trends. What do you think is the reason behind those that increase? Obviously, you know, we talk about fewer vehicles on the road, but there are a number of, of reasons, I would imagine, that the numbers have increased. Yeah. In, in short, it, it's a little too early for us to have exact causation. And the folks that look at this data for us, you know, they like to be certain exactly what was occurring. But we do know anecdotally what causes us to have crashes on our roadways. And it's people who are inclined to speed, perhaps drive impaired, drive distracted, and drive recklessly. And last year during the pandemic, when our roads were even emptier, clearly some of this behavior was happening on our roadways. And because when we design our roads in the first place, we don't really design them specifically for safety. And using a safe system approach really would help in this case. But when we don't haven't designed our roads for safety, when we have driver errors, other people using the road for other purposes like pedestrians and bicyclists, it means that when we have some of these behaviors like speed um, and other reckless behavior, we're going to have incidents like we saw during the pandemic. Um, And clearly, you know, we have to take this with a lot of attention and uh, prioritization because we really can't accept 115 deaths a year on our roadways. It can't be the cost of being able 
to get where you need to go. And it should outrage all of us, lawmakers, automakers, the driving public, people who use our roads for other purposes. And really, it's, it's really a wake-up call for us to all say enough is enough and ask ourselves, what are the things that we all can do to ensure there's not a single crash on our roadways? Because they're all preventable. Um, we do know how to do this. We know how to drive safe. We also know how to, to build safe streets. And this last past year tells us we've got more work to do. Well, as we're recording this interview, the, we've seen uh, the vaccine being rolled out across the United States. Last numbers I saw, I believe, were over 106 million Americans have been vaccinated at least with one dose of the uh, COVID-19 vaccination. That means communities are starting to reopen and facilities are reopening. People are going back to work in some cases, and that means perhaps an increase in traffic ingestion. Do you expect the fatalities are going to decrease as congestion increases? And are we going to have to take some more specific actions to address this issue? You know, Bernie, that's a great question, because if we say our roadways got emptier and then they got more deadlier, you might think, well, let's fill them back up again and it's going to slow us down some and, and maybe the problem will fix itself. I don't think we should use congestion as a safety countermeasure. Uh, we really need to ask ourselves what were the behaviors that were happening. And truthfully, even before COVID, our roadways were still pretty deadly with somewhere around 36,000, you know, residents perishing on them um, annually. So the fact that it, it went up 8%, we were still at a point where we should have found that unacceptable. Um, so there's more for us to do. We really need to make sure that we're starting to look at how do we design some systems so that, you know, when there are issues, our roadways, you know, don't result in fatalities and make sure that these, these are real and lasting changes in our transportation system. I'm sure we'll talk in a little bit, but, you know, we have a chance right now where we're going to put some investment into some of our infrastructure to make sure that when we do that, we truly do look at how can we build safety into our roadways, into our communities, so that we have not only programs and policies, but also infrastructure uh, that helps us be safe. I will also say that this month is another opportunity for us all to think about that because April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month, if mm -hmm. you weren't aware of that. And of those people who are injured on our roadways, more than 700 people are injured in distracted driving crashes on each day. That's a pretty also alarming item. This is about injuries, not fatalities. Certainly just as important for us to make sure we understand what we need to do about them. But we could actually ask everyone to have a little bit of a call to action. I know it's April here as we're airing this podcast. And uh, we ask everyone to perhaps take your Just Drive pledge. And that means truthfully just driving when you're driving, not doing other things that perhaps are distracting you. And you can go to nsc.org slash just drive. Uh, if you'd like to take that pledge, share it with others, share it with your family members. You can consider to donating to NSC and our mission, but much more importantly is to just make sure you do just drive. April is a month that we remind ourselves of that, but I'd love to ask everybody to do that no matter when you're hearing this message. You talk about distracted driving and, and the role that that plays in crashes and, of course, fatalities and injuries as well. Cars in general, have become safer in many respects in terms of technology with alerts of when you're getting out of a lane and crash worthiness and all sorts of different things. But at the same time, I notice in the dashboard of my vehicle and other new vehicles, there are many more things to look at. And even if someone does take that pledge, those distractions almost seem to call to you. How do we balance those quote-unquote improvements that vehicle manufacturers are putting into cars 
with the distractions that they cause and the resulting uh, toll that they take. You know, Bernie, that is a fantastic question. And one for us all, especially if you're getting a new car that has some of those safety features in them that have alarms and, and bells and whistles for you to notify you of things like lane changing or being too close to a, an object in front of you. Um, at the same time, they also include, in many cases, entertainment and other ways for you to connect into the world while you're driving. Well, we would say just drive. I just had that comment. Mm -hmm. And not to use those entertainment systems, the setting various kinds of system configurations while you're driving, doing that while you're stopped. So some of it just takes some intentionality to use the systems that you've been given at the time that you know you can do them safely. At the same time, a lot of those features are safety related, which is fantastic. Um, and one of the things that we know that a lot of folks with new cars and these indicators on them, um, you know, wrestle with is understanding them, uh, making sure they feel comfortable enough to leave them turned on because they are for safety. And a program that we put in place is on a website and it's called My Car Does What? Question mark. <laughs> and you can put in your VIN number, your model number, and you can go in there and, you know, learn what the safety features are, learn how to make sure that you're uh, using them safely. Um, my mom bought a new car with the safety feature. She's 81, eight, going on 82 now. And she um, needed to make sure she felt comfortable with them, just like we all do, so that you actually can get the benefit of them, not be distracted by them or concerned by them as they're operating. But for those things that are really separate from driving, we always encourage you to just drive and to use those things only when you're stopped or by other users in the vehicle, not yourself. Well, one of the things to make traveling in vehicles safer has been the Road to Zero Coalition. That's something that NSC has managed since 2016. Tell our listeners a bit about the coalition, who its members are, and some of the things that it's accomplished, if you would, please, Lorraine. Yeah, thank you for asking about the Road to Zero. It's an amazing group of industry players, individuals, uh, nonprofits, who all have gotten together to say that we as organizations can bring our voices together to have a, a louder voice and perhaps more impact to helping us get to zero crashes, zero fatalities on our roadways. Um, it was formed, as you said, in 2016. I have the honor of serving as the chair of it, but it really is a collaboration of all of those who have a vested interest in our roadways being safe. ITE is part of the Road to Zero Coalition and on the steering group, so thank you for that. And it does represent folks from all aspects of the traffic and roadway sort of infrastructure automakers, insurance companies, AAA, consortiums and associations associated with various aspects of uh, roadway operations, um, and then nonprofits like ourselves. And really, it's a coalition of stakeholders that are bringing together all of our different perspectives and experiences to reduce traffic fatalities. And we've broken it down into three main focus areas. The first one, which we talked about at the onset, Bernie, has to do with doubling down on what works. So using proven evidence-based strategies, including making sure that they're equitable in their implementation to make sure that we have safe laws, policies, and procedures. This is seatbelts, car seats, airbags, driving the speed limit, all the things that we know truthfully save lives when we drive. So it's doubling down on what works and making sure we do that fairly and equitably. The second one is advanced saving technology, which you just brought up regarding all of the new things that are in vehicles themselves, and not just in the vehicles, but also in the infrastructure that the cars and other vehicles are traversing. And it really has really exploded over the last years, and we don't expect any of that to stop. And as those get deployed, making sure that they have safety features, first and foremost, is really important. 
And then finally, where ITE actually leads our coalition efforts is our safe systems approach and making sure that we're ensuring that our systems, the infrastructure truly are safe to begin with, that make sure that when we do make mistakes, because we will, that they are not life-threatening. And then also focusing on the culture of saying that we expect our roadways to be safe. That's really what the Road to Zero Coalition kind of uses as its pinnacles, doubling down on what works, advanced life-saving technology, and then a safe systems approach. And then we also have partnered with a variety of organizations to provide grants where folks are doing really neat work on one of those three dimensions to look at what could work best and then sharing that with other communities and states. We've done that for several years running. We look forward to doing that in the future. With And then and the results of the grants are in webinars and point papers, and we share that out so that folks can adopt those same practices. So just a really exciting group of folks that care about ensuring that our roadways are safe. One of the most recent things is the group self-nominated to stand up a equity organization as well within the Road to Zero. And under the National Safety Council, we also put out an equity and transportation policy position that really looks at what we might have called the three E's of enforcement, education, and engineering. And we added a fourth to how we have to really look at transportation and added equity as our fourth E, making sure that what we do to bring safety and enforcement in all we do, that we do that safely and we do that equitably across all of the communities that we need to serve. That was a long answer, but Road to Zero is really an exciting group. Oh, indeed. And one of the, I guess, the ultimate goal of the Road to Zero Coalition is getting to zero deaths by 2050. And to do that, you've urged President Biden and Transportation Secretary Buttigieg to embrace that goal. What are some of those proven methods? You talked about embracing the the proven methods. What are some of those proven methods? And what are some of the things that stakeholders, which, as you mentioned, ITE is one, support as a way to achieve zero? I talked about the three pillars of Road to Zero, but Most recently, as you said, we have also engaged with the current administration under President Joe Biden and the Transportation Secretary Buttigieg to really applaud first and foremost what they're doing in infrastructure, but specifically ensuring that safety and transportation equity are part of that. And if you have heard any of their statements regarding that, it's been really great to see that both of those aspects, safety and equity, are part of the strategy. And we'll continue to be allowed to make sure they stay there. And one way that that we've done that is we've actually urged the administration to do even more than, you know, just the infrastructure activity, but to specifically make a commitment to zero traffic deaths by 2050, as you stated. The Road to Zero Coalition has brought that urgent need forward. We know it's possible. We just had a, a webinar last week that talked about how can it be zero and what would the math need to be and what kind of things would we need to put in place? And we talked about a few of them just a bit ago, the technology pieces, the doubling down on what works. We have technology right now you can put in cars that ensures that a person's, if a person's impaired by a substance that the car can't start, we know how to do that today. We know how many lives that would save. So some of that just takes commitment and it takes an imperative to say, we want, and we know we can have zero traffic deaths on our roadways. So to that end, we have another call to action, and that's a letter called zerotrafficdeaths.org. You can go find it. And we've had thousands of organizations and individuals sign on to that letter, which has gone directly to the president urging for a commitment of our nation to have zero traffic deaths by 2050. So please go check that out, zerotrafficdeaths.org. If you haven't signed on, we'd urge you to do so. It is all focused around the things that we know work and we know can result in zero fatalities on our roadways. 
Lorraine, one of the things we talked about earlier, the effects of COVID-19 and as far as the transportation network is concerned, was a decrease in congestion. But there were also some steps that were taken that had an impact on transportation, for instance, making streets, particularly in urban areas, more pedestrian friendly, uh, setting them up for outdoor dining, as an example, when indoor dining was shut down. Do you think any of those things will have a positive safety impact in the long run in terms of perhaps making our some of our roadways more pedestrian friendly? You know, I sure hope so, Bernie. It caused us all to think about what are we using this space for, <laughs> whether it was the sidewalks to put tables on or to block streets so that pedestrians could use them and, and be there six feet apart. So I do think it, it caused a greater awareness to say that this is all real estate, you know, in our communities that we need to be intentional about who's on it when and how to do that safely. So I do hope that stays with us. The National Safety Council during the pandemic and really early on developed a lot of resources for specifically businesses to use as they navigated bringing their employees into their workplaces for those that had to continue working and doing that safely. And one of the things that we did is we actually put six playbooks in place having to do with medical safety, physical safety, how to communicate. And one of them was on transportation, one of the six guidebooks. And they talked about specifically how employees deal with safe routes to work, transportation safety on the job, prioritizing roadway safety, like you just talked about, public transportation. So that's a resource that's there today. I think some of the recommendations that we've learned during the pandemic should stay with us for us to look at how do you safely get to and from work and having employers think about that more broadly as they think about their employees. So I I am hopeful that some of that will stay with us as we go forward. And those resources, again, are on nsc.org. But the next next one, which we're all talking about, and you and I talked a little bit at the onset, is going to be all about vaccines. And we also have some resources on that, too, not specifically related to transportation, but as we all get vaccinated and everyone is encouraged to do so if they're eligible. And I'd be remiss if I didn't put that call to action here as well so that we can all get back to doing the things we know and love, including being on our roadways. So It's rolling out, as you said. We expect that employers can play a role there, if not by facilitating vaccine sites, but supporting their employees and making it easy to get the vaccine, giving them information, ensuring that uh, all of us who can do get vaccinated. Well, in addition to those guidebooks that you just mentioned, one of the efforts that NSC undertook during the pandemic was a major effort to compile and release COVID-19 data on injury facts and other safety-related resources Tell me a bit about how did NSC see organizations and workplaces utilizing those resources and help their members and employees throughout the pandemic? Yeah, thank you for that. We we created something called SAFER, Safe Actions for Employee Returns. And it was really amazing to see that companies around the world wanted to make sure that if they'd learned something, either policies and procedures or workbooks, that others got to take advantage of that. And We very early on partnered with some companies that were more global in nature so that they'd already addressed this in China or France or Italy. They literally provided the National Safety Council their playbooks of how to do temperature screening or how to do, you know, masks and anything that would keep us safe. And we could, they let us white label them, meaning just take off their name and provide that generic material to whoever needed it. And we we made it available to uh, anybody and everyone on the SAFER website and just made sure that that material could be used the broadest possible way. And then the playbooks that I talked about before were built from that, including the one on transportation. Most recently, we've partnered with the CDC and the Health Action Alliance 
and the Ad Council to really create some materials to help with the vaccine uptake rates. Really great material from the, the Health Action Alliance. You can go online and, and just type that in on how to talk to your employees, how to incentivize your employees, how to use the right language, depending on the population you might be speaking to, knowing that some communities um, have more resistance or, or apprehension, understandably. Um, it's just a great resource, again, available to anyone, vetted through the CDC Foundation, the Ad Council, and several other organizations that we're happy to be able to amplify here so that folks can go use that. Again, aimed at employers, but employers often lead on things like this, and we see that now. So where we can do so again, and where the associations that perhaps are connected to you know, this organization as well can spread the word, that would be great. I know ITE members have been part of our Safer Task Force, so thank you. And they also helped us with some of the uh, materials that were used very early on to help employers. So thank you for that. Lorraine, I want to thank you and NSC for all the work that you've been doing during COVID-19 and the pandemic. Certainly a lot of unexpected tasks that came onto your plate during the past year or so. We've been talking with Lorraine Martin, the president and CEO of the National Safety Council, as well as the chair of the Road to Zero Coalition. Lorraine, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us this month. And thank you to you and all your members.